Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Entitled this story, The Deceptive, Peaceful Death of David Livingstone. Now, the reason why I say this this morning is because the devil causes a very similar unconsciousness. There is an influence from the presence of the devil in temptation that many times soothes you. The devil blinds and soothes and makes us unconscious to the realities of God and heaven and Hell making you unconscious of what you are about to lose in life. Then he lights up the imagination to the galleries of the spirit that he brings pictures and desires and at last sets you on fire with the fire of hell. The next thing you know, you're pinned down and there's bloody fangs that are on top of your life, your soul, your mind, your family, your and all these different things. The next thing. You know, you are a prisoner of his war. This morning, out of Luke chapter 4, I want to try to dismantle. Because some of you guys are pinned down by this line. And this morning, what we want to do is be able to remove this paw and to be able to overcome some things in life. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. You can say amen when you're there. Because then he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendants and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogues were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
I want to preach something this morning that says you better say something. I want you to turn to your neighbor. You might not completely understand it, but turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better say something. You better say something. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that you have given us, God, to be here together as your church. God, I pray that somewhere you will spark, God, some type of fire in our hearts, God. God, that you will give us a fighting spirit, Lord, to be able to overcome the wows and overcome the deceptions and the temptations that come from hell, God. That you will give us the courage to speak up and preach your word, God, and proclaim some of the promises that you have given us, God. Let us not fall into this hypnotizing spirit that Satan has. We claim, God, your liberty upon every single person in this place. God, I come in your in your authority, God, and I hide behind your cross and anoint my words, God. In Jesus' name I pray. And the people of God said this morning, Amen. 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 I want to start off with my first point. And that is a captive and oppressed life. How many of you guys know the struggle is real? There's tons of people, many people who are going through different things in life and have encountered all these different issues and opened all these kinds of doors. And you can, they fall in this category of being captive and being oppressed in life. And you can go in a whole different um, uh, um, way that I'm not necessarily going to go on my sermon when it speaks about the poor financial struggles, all these vexations in mind. And the reality is that somewhere you have to understand that if you don't have Jesus in your life, then you're captive to something. Yes. Jesus will always challenge your sinful lifestyle. Don't ever think that you can go on sinning and be a right with God. Well, that he's just going to overlook something for you. Here in our scripture, what we see is that Jesus in the midst of Jews, people who understood some things about God, people who knew the stories, people who knew the law, in public worship, they're together, very similar to a service like this. They had someone from church pick a text and deliver a sermon. We see it in our scripture. After he finishes reading Isaiah, he says he gives the scroll back to the attendant. In other words, they asked Jesus to say something about the text. And you don't just ask Jesus to preach. You don't just tell him, you know, what? can you say something to me? Because many times he won't just say something. He'll change your life. Amen. Commentators say that he had been chosen to deliver a sermon that day on, on the Sabbath. So Jesus rises up and preaches. And what he does is that he challenges their view on the Sabbath. It says out of the book of Isaiah, he reads, and then verse 19, he says to proclaim the year of the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, Jesus challenged their view. It was when he was speaking about that, he, he was not necessarily speaking the way the Jews pictured it or the way the Jews understood was on the seventh year, they had this Sabbath year, and then they will go on to every 50 years, if I'm getting the numbers right, they had the year of Jubilee, where they uh, where they rested, where they found rest. Where you guys like some rest? Where you guys like naps? Amen. This is equivalent to like a big nap. It was a rest day, but Jesus stands up, and the way he challenges him is that somewhere I am anointed by God, says Jesus. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring Rest, say with me, rest. rest. Because you have, you're speaking about people who are poor. The Bible says, he gave me in order to me to proclaim good news to the poor. When you're poor, you're, you're restless many times. 
proclaim liberty to the captives. He says, recovering of the sight to the blind. In other words, what he's saying is that the Sabbath isn't necessarily a date on your calendar, but the Sabbath is the presence of God. He says, I came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, today, because I'm here, you guys can find some peace. Is that what he said? Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He challenges your view. Can I tell you this morning, church, that true rest, true peace, true peace, true joy is found when you come to an encounter with an anointed Jesus. Not when you come and encounter with religion. Not when you step into one of the Sundays in the month that we have potluck. <laughs> you find it when you find Jesus. And that's the whole idea of our service is that somewhere we can create an atmosphere or give you an opportunity to be confronted by the gospel. That you can be confronted by the presence of God, and there you find your Sabbath, you find the Spirit of God, and the Scriptures fulfilled in your life because you're set free of many things that you were going through. True freedom, salvation, peace, and joy is only found in Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. Amen. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. See, many times we find temporary peace in religion, relationship, drugs. Some of you guys, you treat, you treat religion like a headache. Let me explain. When you have a headache, what do you do? You pop a pill, right? Some of you guys actually do a service. You have an issue, so you just come to service, pop it real quick, and don't really do anything about it. That's like this temporary stuff. It will, it will never last. As a matter of fact, they begin to betray you. You begin to think. People who are captive in our Bibles, one of the biggest examples that we have are the Israelites. The problem Israel had in Egypt was that one second they were getting fish. The other one, they were getting beat by whips. And this is a picture of a person's mind whenever they don't have Jesus, when they're involved in addictions and involved in all kinds of different spiritual things that they've opened their doors, sinful lifestyles, that one day they're feeling good, the next day they're getting beat by whips. This is what we're going to go into for a minute. We want to understand what captivity and oppression is about. Because in our Bible it says that Jesus came and set some people free. In our Bible it says, he quoted from Isaiah, he said that somewhere we came to he says, uh, to, to, to bring liberty to those who are captive, to bring freedom to those who are oppressed. This word captive, by definition, is one taken in war. Captives were often treated with great cruelty and indignity. I don't want you to mistake the word captive in our scripture with some type of American slavery mindset. Because some American slaves were treated good. But when the Bible talks about captive, it's almost speaking about a prisoner of war. They were removed from their unit. They were removed from whatever their mission was, and they were treated like the enemy. We can think of prisoners of war, or even again, um, the people of Israel in Egypt, the way they, they were uh, abused, the way they were mentally and physically abused in our scripture. If you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, 
chapter 5. Let's, let's focus on that. Exodus chapter 5. Let's read that. Because there is something about being captive that I want you guys to understand. Because we're going to have to clarify what it means so that you can make sure that you're not captive. <laughs> Exodus chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. You can say amen when you're there. Amen. It says, But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. Check this out. Look what Pharaoh does. Verse 6, The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straws for themselves. You see what he did? He made things harder for him, for them. Have you ever been in life and it just got harder all of a sudden? Yeah. yeah. Ever felt like someone is just piling burdens on your life? Yeah. Like you, it's like something's happening where life is just getting even more difficult. Well, many times it's because you're under rule of something that's not God. Because the Bible says, do what does Jesus say? He says, come and lay your burdens onto me and take my yoke because it is light. But many times when we're under the rule of something else, we'll find that burden on top of burden on top of Burden, vexation on top of vexation. Nothing goes right for me. All these different things. And what happens is that you're under the rule of something that does not care for you. Captive. All of this morning, if you're captive. All of this morning, if you can think back in life and all the things that you're going through maybe right now, you can think that somewhere there is somebody ruling over me or I've allowed myself or I've submitted myself to something that does not care for me. Something that doesn't have the greatest interest or my salvation or my eternity in mind. That's, that's being captive. What about oppression? This word oppression by definition is someone or a people that is being oppressed is typically under someone else's control or rule. And they are taken advantage of and treated in a harsh or cruel way. And so it is seen as the exercise of authority or power over another person or a people in using them for their own purposes in a burdensome, cruel, and unjust manner. It is usually where the people have no control over their lives and have no freedoms, and they are living in a state of bondage as people who don't have Jesus. Many times they'll say, well, I don't have rules like Christians. Yeah, but you're addicted. Yes, but you do everything that other people do. You're you're captive by the trends of life and the, whatever Hollywood does is what you do. The way you stay speak is the way you speak. And somewhere you begin to think I am ruled by something. You're in bondage. And somewhere we got to be able to call it for what it is. Mm -hmm. I want to move on to my second point. That is that you have an enemy that wants to see you remain in your prison. Mm -hmm. See, America was born in conflict. And we have cherished and maintained the concept of revolution throughout the years. There's a man named Quentin Reynolds. He says if he was a dictator, the first book he will burn will be the Bible. So I will burn it because I would realize that, that the whole concept of democracy came out of that book. The Greeks gave us the name for it, but the Bible gave us the philosophy. I want to say something, because Satan has the very same strategy. Satan also knows that if he can steal God's presence and God's word, 
God's relationship from your life, he has stolen your miracle. And somewhere, many times what happens is that you have Christians or people who are living for God or at least trying to, or people who are seeking an answer and a solution, they have allowed God to be removed from their lives and they have their miracle stolen. Their miracle, their deliverance, they have these things that promises that God has given have been stolen from the devil. Stolen from you by the devil. See, the enemy is not creative. I don't want you to think that, that he's, he's smart because he's not. He's not, he's not creative. He, he's, it's always the same thing. The Bible says he tempts us pretty much the same way, the way he tempted Jesus, right? The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. He maneuvers around those three parameters, but he's not creative. But he does know what works against us. See, Satan makes provisions for our flesh. He does things that entice you, things that that you like, things that that are catered to your carnality. The idea of temptation is that the devil creates situations that appeal to your flesh, to the addict, is the submission to pleasure. The move from drug to drug to drug, seeking all these different, different pleasures in life and things that will make them get away from the moment to the person who are short fused. Do you have any people who are short-fused here? Yeah. You don't have to say amen, all right? <laughs> to the short-fused is people who push your buttons. You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever had a thorn in your flesh? Yes. I mean, Paul is saying you want to be removed in the Bible. He says that there was a messenger sent from hell. You guys ever categorize people that way? <laughs> from hell, bro. <laughs> You're from houses. <laughs> Strong views many put people in your life that will just push your buttons. Things that work create these false narratives in your mind. Oh, that person doesn't like you. That's what don't call you, man. You don't like you. Wow. These false narratives and stuff that will try to completely twist your mind. Okay. To the person who's bitter is memories and deception. The mind is incredible. You ever smelled something and it took you back years? Yeah. You saw something and then you, you begin to think many, many years ago. It's your mind. Yeah. The devil knows how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. He knows that if he can feed your flesh, you will continue to go back to your prison. If Satan can remove Jesus, he has removed true freedom from your life. He's removed the miracle, the promises. The scroll of Isaiah that says that I came to set the captives free, the oppressed, the poor, that Jesus, and this is what I'm anointed by God. He says, but if he can remove that from your life, then he knows you'll walk back into your prison. So you got to be careful with things that you escape, how you escape from life. Mm-hmm. So many times the way you escape or where you escape many times becomes your trap. Mm-hmm. Many have allowed the enemy to take Jesus and he's thrown us back into this prison. I have a question for us this morning. Did we create our own prison? And if so, can we have the key? Have we, have we taken the freedom that Jesus gives us and have fallen trapped to sin? Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 explains this. Let's open our Bibles there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Say amen when you're there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. 
Uh, it's in there, I promise. Yeah. Verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Shout hallelujah if you're there. Verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom. Isn't that amazing? You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Serve one another. Amen. Don't people do that all the time? Yeah. <laughs> don't we do that all the time? Yeah. Oh, grace. Grace, bro. I don't live under the law. We can't abuse grace either. You can't abuse the freedom that Christ has given you. You can't abuse the fact that somewhere God has set you free and somewhere he's allowed these things because you'll fall into a trap where Satan begins to remove the words that the very same words that has set you free. You were called to freedom. Yeah. Our Bible says so. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Turn to your neighbor. It says you were called to freedom. Tell them. You were called to freedom. True freedom is living under the submission of God and not sin. Yeah. Why does it change? If it's under submission, if you still remain captive, why does it change? Because your master changes. Because when you were under sin... The Bible says that the wages of sin were death. When you were under the rule of Satan, Satan can care less for you. But when you removed your submission from Satan and submitted under God, you went under somebody that gave up his son for you. Amen. You went under somebody that is willing to die for you. In other words, he's, he, he's giving you the desires of your heart. He knows what's best for you. And somewhere he wants to give you freedom. Amen. You're called to freedom. And many times what happens is we create our own prisons because we buy the lights from hell. We get soothed by the roars of the lion and we're under the fangs and somewhere we, we're deceived, we're blindfolded and we create these prisons and we're holding the keys inside of them. Wow. See, you have the keys. Or at least you could have the keys. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be in verse 13. Matthew 16, 13, you can say amen over there. 16, 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He got, he got it right. Mm -hmm. Overachiever, he gets a star. <laughs> Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I want you to read it with me. Say it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Wow. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This this isn't just, you know, this isn't the keys to your church. It isn't the keys to, to some special room in your, in your house. It's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let's read it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he 
was the Christ. See, Peter did not receive the keys because of the title. He didn't get it because he was Jonah. Um, Bar Jonah. He didn't get it because he was Simon Bar Jonah. He didn't get it because he was a better disciple, because he was the first disciple. He got it because of the revelation he had. Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, let me ask you, Christian, this morning who do you say Jesus is? Because you can have all these religious answers. One of the prophets, a preacher. The greatest preacher of all time. Again, all these different things, but the reality is that Peter had a revelation because he had intimacy with Christ. He knew who Jesus was. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to him, and that caused them to get the keys to his prison. The keys to all the attacks from hell and all these different things. The Bible says it is the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, say with me, whatever. Whatever Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's authority. It's dominion. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, when you have the keys, what you you say goes. The moment you proclaim things in the name of Jesus, things happen. Who is Christ in your life? Because these keys to the kingdom can be yours. You just need the revelation that Peter had. See, the the mistake we make is that many of us buy the lie from hell and allow Satan to steal our miracle. Christian, has your miracle been stolen? Is, Is God's word still true in your life? Because if you have not experienced the power of God, then man, you've been jacked. You've been mugged. And somewhere you've been stolen from the very things because Christianity is a religion of power. I'm going to say that one more time. Christianity is a religion of power. This means you can be delivered. This means your identity can change. This means that somewhere the Bible says that you, you can be a new creation. That who you are today can be different tomorrow or at the end of the service. Has your miracle been stolen? Has Satan soothed you with the roar? Are you pinned down by the paw? Because the Bible says in Peter that the devil is like what? The roaring lion. See, I'm not speaking about the trials and tribulations of life. That's just life. Many times God will allow us to go through some things. I don't want you to mistake that. If you're going through something, listen. You talk to God, don't talk to me. (laughs) I'm speaking about those prisons that are deep-rooted in sin. Those cages in your mind, those vexations that you know you opened the door. Or at least somewhere you know there was a door that was open. Maybe it wasn't your fault, but it's your prison now. Note our scripture says the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, in better or in layman terms, the broke, the prisoner, the unhealthy, and the abused. All. For which Jesus paid a price for. I thought that Jesus paid a price for your life. He paid a price for the for your freedom, for your healing. He paid a price for your sanity. So you can be right with, with God, that you your mind can be free so that you can sleep. So that you can you have that you don't owe anything, that somewhere you're just you're just living in the peace of Christ. I want to close my third point. I want you to say with me, Satan, you can't have my miracle. 
Is that the way you guys want to talk to Satan? <laughs> let's try one more time. But let's say we're all of our guts. Ready? Satan, you can't have my miracle. Because somewhere you're going to have to become aggressive. There's going to have to be some fire built up in you. I like that time where they talk about your mama. Ooh. Oh, nobody talks about my mom. <laughs> nobody talk. And somewhere there's a fire that's lit up in you, right? I want to talk about something that's sensitive in your life. I, I play soccer Monday nights. And we're playing against a team that, that trash talked. And, um, and in, in my team, uh, there's a couple. There's um, the goalie, which is a girl. And then there's the midfielder, which is a man. And um, I play defense. Well, at least I was playing defense at that moment. And they were trash talking the girl. They are just trash talking the, the goalie. And one of the guys said, just hurt her. I don't think he was trying to hurt her, but that's what he said, right? What the problem was when he said that is that her husband heard that. <laughs> and he trash talked the whole game, played rough with them, and he pushed them around. And we're just like, we're talking with them after the game. We're like, you have to defend your honor, huh, bro? <laughs> like somewhere you had to go fight for your wife. Can I tell you something? Somewhere you're gonna have to fight for what's yours. I have. I sent a a, um, a text on the on the men's chat, and I said, "Men of God are spiritual self-starters." That's somewhere you start on your own. Somewhere you don't need that motivation from outside. That's somewhere you begin to move on your own. You say, "I'm not gonna allow Satan to steal what's mine." You wouldn't do it in the physical. You wouldn't. You wouldn't allow somebody to break down your door and mess with your family. Amen. So what do you do to your soul? You know, I was convicted a few weeks ago in my prayer time with God. God told me, if you say, I am real, then treat me like I'm real. Yeah. Open your Bible to the book of Acts 19. <laughs> Verse 11. I won't give you guys that word, but I ain't getting convicted by myself. <laughs> Acts chapter 19. Verse 11, you can say amen when you're there. Can I tell you, it's not enough just to scream. It's not enough just to holler at demons. It's not enough just to have the, the lingo. You know, in our fellowship, we say loosen. And people will put their hand on somebody and loosen. You know We're Pentecostals, all right? We bounce on our toes and we... We jump around, I mean, this is in the drive off varieties. We're 2,600 churches, so 2,600 different pastors, all right? Um, but sometimes well, people get mistaken, especially Pentecostals. Can I, can I preach about us? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Many times what happens is we think the louder we get, the, the faster the demon's going to run. Not the case. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Amen? Amen? And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick man. That's, that's anointing. Mm -hmm. And their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them because of your sweat. My goodness. Verse 13. Then some of the um, uh, itinerant Jewish ex exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Saying, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. That's, what they, that's how they're praying. In other words, somebody prayed. Loosen in the name of that guy that my pastor prays to. <laughs> Verse 14. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named um, Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them. Can I tell you spirits will talk back? Amen. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? 
<laughs> See that? Man. Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the, was the evil spirit, spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And Jesus, I know. Paul recognized, but who are you? Don't be caught like that. It's not enough just to scream. It's not enough just to just to get loud and have all the weakness we said it, right? It's not enough just to have all the smoke and mirrors and all the fancy lightings and all. No, can I can I tell you, man? I've seen all of you guys. You've been staring at this like the whole service. <laughs> you guys have been looking at this one going on and off. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't care if the light, we're casting out demons, amen? Amen. amen? We're taking over our city. We're preaching the gospel and we're proclaiming, not in some random name that somebody knows, but in the Jesus that we know. Amen. And somewhere, don't be caught in this very authority fight right here when the demon begins to say, who the heck are you? I don't care how, how much, how loud you scream at me. You have no authority because you don't know Jesus. It's not enough to holler at them. You need to be submitted to God's will. Amen. You want authority? You want dominion? You want freedom? Submit yourself to the words of God. Amen. It's not a game. These guys knew it wasn't a game after that experience. Brothers went in there trying to cast out demons. They came out demons. They had some friends when they left. See, if we are using Jesus' authority then we need to be submitted, and we have to be one with them. If you're going to say Jesus is real, then you better treat him like he's real. It's your responsibility to make war for the miracles and deliverance that Jesus has for you. See, some of you guys, some of you guys here this morning, Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants to give you peace. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you dominion. He wants to set you free so you can go on setting people free. Yes. So that you can go and pray for people, so that you can. The Bible says there were extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul to the point where his handkerchief was healing people. Oh. See, God wants to do great things in the kingdom and in the world with you, but somewhere you're going to have to submit to his will. And somewhere you're going to have to understand it's not all about you. Right now, God set me free. It's about me. That's fine. Set me free right now. Well, like King David said in Psalms 51, and he's repenting because of the sin with Bathsheba. Uh, he says, God, renew in me a right spirit, right? He says, cleanse me, he says, so that I can go and touch transgressors your ways. The mind of David says, hurry up, work on me, fix me, fix my mind, fix my heart. I got to go tell people. I got to go tell people how wonderful you are and how there's a trap out there and how there's a devil and lion that's trying to soothe them. It's your responsibility to make war. See, a minister asked a little converted boy. He said, does not the devil tell you that you are not a Christian? Boy well, says, yes, sometimes. So then he says, well, what do you say? The little boy said, whether I'm a Christian or not, it's none of your business, devil. Oh, that was a funny illustration. You guys showed up right there. Think about this. The devil is speaking to this kid. And this kid, the way he responds to him reveals who he thinks the devil is. I'm a Christian or not, dude. Stop bugging me. It's none of your business. Can I tell you the devil isn't as big as you think he is? We have a preacher in our fellowship. His name is Glenn Clark. <laughs> he's, he's about as, as charismatic as you can get. He said, he said one time, um, he said, we're going we're gonna to kick 
we're gonna kick the devil's butt and his boyfriend. <laughs> and he goes on to all these different things. I tell you, somewhere, somewhere you're gonna have to get some fight in you. you can't be cold-blooded your whole Christian life. Somewhere you're gonna have to get some heat, man. You know, it's a fire in you. Instead, of devil, you're not gonna have my family. Amen. Satan, you're not gonna have my miracle. You're not gonna have my wife. Amen. You're not gonna have my children, and you're definitely not gonna have my destinies. Amen. You are going to have to speak to the devil and answer back his deception. Satan many times speaks to us in deceptive questions. You see it in Genesis three when he says to Eve, "Did God really say that?" Did God really say that? Is the word of God really true? Do you, do, you, do you always have to be at church? Do you really need fellowship? Do you really need accountability? And all these different deceptive questions, and so you begin to, no, I don't need it. I got to eat church. No, I don't need it. I can, I'm, I'm good with just my WhatsApp chat. <laughs> we all have answered the devil. Or will answer. And the question is, what do you say to him? Some people are in trouble now because of what they answer to Satan's questions. Some people, they're in their prisons because they've confined or they're conformed to what Satan had told them. How do you speak to Satan in those conversations? Do you even know he's talking to you? Because he does. He begins to speak these words and somewhere you're going to have to talk back. You know, it's okay to talk back. It's okay to trash talk. This is one of the things I like about basketball is that these guys are trash talking all the time. They never hit each other as much as they, they say they're going to fight and stuff. And you always see them bumping heads and chest and they're like fish. They're <laughs> 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 each other. They're just in there and they're trash talking and stuff like that. Trash talking. Somewhere you're going to have to trash talk hell. Amen. You're going to have to remind hell where it's coming. You have to remind Satan where he lives. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says that God created hell for who? For the devil and Satan and all of its followers and all of the somewhere you go, go back to where you came from. Go, you know, somewhere you're gonna have to spark something in you and begin to speak and proclaim some things. Open your Bibles and I close with this James chapter 4, verse 7. You're gonna have to resist the devil. Can I tell you, we all must learn to fight. We all must learn to fight. James chapter 4, verse 7. There are no born soldiers. We all must learn to fight. Woodrow, or Woodrow Wilson said this. He says, it is not an army that we must train for war, but it is a nation. And the idea behind that quote is that somewhere you must understand that it is not necessarily just... Soldiers, as someone, we're all just raw material that God's trying to make us into soldiers. James chapter 4, verse 7. You can say amen when you're there. James chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to go here Verse 7, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. How do we resist? 
The way you resist the devil is by using God's word to your advantage. We see this pattern used by Jesus when he gets tempted by Satan. In the wilderness, he begins to speak scripture. He begins to speak the words of God back to Satan. When Satan is trying to twist them, he's offering all these kingdoms. He begins to question his affirmation of identity. He says, if you're the son of God, like you say you are, then show me, turn these stones into bread. Jump off of this, but it doesn't the Bible say that the angels will get you? And all of these different twisting and deception, and Jesus just answers back with scripture. For the Bible says that not by bread alone, but by the bread of life. And somewhere you're just going to have to say and talk trash back to Satan and say, I don't care how jacked up I am. I have destiny and a plan with God. He paid a price for me. There's an affirmation in your identity. When Jesus died on the cross, he called you his children when you accepted him. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, speaking God's word to Satan into our lives is the key. You must speak the words of God into Satan's face. Mm-hmm. Has ever gotten a fight before? Mm-hmm. It's okay feeling. <laughs> Adrenaline's pumping. The person, depending who you fought, you're looking in your face and you're trash talking. And, you know, it's, it's like this weird kind of sinful feeling. I don't know. <laughs> if you like fighting sports, I think you know what I'm talking about. Whenever you see a flying knee and you'll see and it hits him, you're like, oh! Yeah! <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just like a weird feeling. So, listen, somewhere there needs to be something in you where you're like, I'm going to fight. The Bible says that the kingdom of God, the violence, it suffers violence. The violence, you know, in, in Spanish, it's, it says it a little bit different. It says that it is the violence who take the kingdom of heaven. It is people who fight. It is people who, who take it personal and say, Satan, you're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to talk to my family that way. You're not going to speak those things. You're not going to deceive anything that's under my name. You're going to proclaim Bible truths. You're going to think about those famous scriptures in Jeremiah where it says that you were called even in your mother's womb. That somewhere God has greater plans for me. Yes. You begin to speak those things to Satan. I know somewhere Satan will lie to you. You're just you're just a, an addict. You're just you're always going to be a pervert. You're always in somewhere you begin to say no because that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says I can be set free. Yes. The Bible says I can change. You begin to pro- proclaim God's promises and His inheritance for us. That somewhere He has given us these things. He paid a price in the Book of Isaiah. I believe it's chapter 51 or 53. It says that by his by his stripes we are healed. He paid a price for it. Somewhere this is yours. When do you ever pay for something and not take it unless you forgot at Winco? Because <laughs> you didn't bag it or something. <laughs> but Jesus paid a price so that you can take it. It's yours. You can have a, a miracle. You can have healing. You can have your destiny because God paid for it. So not only do you proclaim biblical truths or be, begin to remind Satan, Satan about your promises, but you also can remind him about his prophetic identity. I'm telling you, he's just going to burn in hell. He's just going to burn in hell. You begin to speak that back and say somewhere, listen, I got a heaven to go to, bro. You got no hope. You got nowhere you're going to go. I'm, I have destiny in God. I have eternal life that my God paid for. You're just some stinky little red guy. 
What are you speaking to existence in your life? What do you say when you're going through tough times? Or those times when you stumble into sin, what do you say? You begin to speak life and begin to become this prophet like Ezekiel that speaks life into the bones. What do you speak? What do you think about yourself? The Bible says that what you think about yourself, what a man thinks about himself, so is he. What do you think about yourself? What do you say in those times? What do you say about your family? What about whenever the, the lion is roaring and is soothing you? Do you? Can you snap out of it with the Bible? Snap out of it with the words of God and say, you're, you're not going to confuse me. You have to treat God's word like it's God's word. It's living. There's power in this. This isn't just a book. Amen? This isn't just a book you pick up just so you can go to sleep. Ooh, read this. There's there's life in this. There's there's your destinies linked to this. Your family's destinies linked to this. Who your children will be many times linked to how you read your word. What do you say to the devil? Because you have to say something. But can I say this? We said it earlier, right? Turn to your neighbor and tell him you better say something. And that goes with this because if you don't say something, someone else will. If you don't say something, someone else will. And you don't want Satan to say stuff. You don't want Satan to start claiming prophetic stuff for your family because you just don't want it. Somewhere you're going to have to begin to speak some things into your life. I get every head bowed. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.